Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy the following message. Well, good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. I want to invite you to grab your copy of Scripture, whether that is paper or a phone. Grab your copy of Scripture and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If that worship through song doesn't get your blood going, then you might need to check if you're alive. It's good to see you this morning. Our pastor, Logan, um, had a wedding in Houston. He performed a wedding. He's already married. Um, He performed a wedding, and it was a uh, both of his kids were in the wedding last night, and it was a really late wedding, and so they're traveling back today, and so you get me. Uh, my name is Matt. I serve as the associate pastor here at First Baptist Belton, and it is wonderful to be with you this morning. We continue in our series, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus preaches and he teaches, and he's, he's telling us, here's the kind of people that I desire my followers, my disciples to be. As they, as they live in this world, they're not to be of this world. And, and here's the things that that should look like. Here's how that manifests itself. Here's the things that I require. Here's the things that I want. And so we've looked at a lot of different things in this Sermon on the Mount. And today, we're going to look at another one. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. The challenge that Jesus gives us in this passage, particularly this morning, is very challenging. It, it, it's difficult. It's hard. And I'm going to press hard because Jesus presses hard. So please don't get the picture. If you're a guest with us and you're thinking, man, this guy's just yelling at us. Okay? Don't, don't, I'm not yelling at you. Okay? This is just an important, important part of, of who we are as Jesus' important part of, of who we are as Jesus' disciples. Um, I read a story, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a, a longtime preacher um, back in the day, he tells the story of this farmer. And as I was reading this story, I thought it was great. It was an awesome story. This farmer, um, he joyfully leaps into his kitchen. He runs in and, and he shares with his wife this with a great big grin on his face that one of their finest cows had just given birth. And he tells her, one of, our, our cow has just given birth, and, and there's two of them. There's one brown and one white. And he told her that he had this impulse to dedicate one of these cows to the Lord. They're going to raise them and bring them up together, and when they're at a marketable age, we'll sell them and we'll keep the proceeds from one, and we'll give the proceeds of the other to the Lord. That's what he tells his wife. Well, his wife gets right to the point. She says, well, which is the Lord's cow? Is it the white one or the brown one? Well, he's so elated and so excited, he replies, well, there's no need to worry about that or to decide that now since we'll raise them together. Well, some months pass by, some time passes, and he enters that same kitchen, and his wife's standing there, but his response is a little different. He's not as excited this time. He He's actually really sad. Tears in his eyes. He's really heartbroken. His wife asks, well, honey, why are you so sad? To which he replies, I have bad news, honey. 
the Lord's cow died. You know, as I read that story, as I thought about that, I, I laughed. But why is it always the Lord's cow that dies? Maybe we can identify with that kind of approach because each of us, as we'll see in our text, each of us, we tend to lay up treasures on earth. And in our text this morning, Jesus is going to speak directly to that perspective on life. He's going to give us insight into how we're to really see the matter of money and possessions. Now, let me stop there before we jump in the text, because I know some of you, maybe this is your first time to come to church in a while, or maybe you've never been to church at all, or maybe you have been in church and you think that, oh, here we go, a preacher again talking about money. That's all the church talks about is money and giving and generosity and tithing and money, money, money. Well, I hope that that's not your reaction. But if you're a first-time guest here and that's what you get this morning, I want you to know that that's not normal. Let me say that we talk about money when Jesus talks about money. As we preach and go through the Scriptures, when our Lord and when the Scriptures talk about money, we're going to talk about money. We're not ashamed of that because Jesus talks about money, so we're going to deal with it. it let, me, let me give you a few things as we think about this, as we jump into it. In the book of Matthew alone, our Lord talks about money, possessions, riches, 109 times. In the book of Mark, He talks about it 57 times. In the book of Luke, He talks about it 94 times. And in the book of John, our Lord talks about money and possessions 88 times. Did you know that Jesus talked about money and possessions five times more than any other subject in the Bible alone. Five times more than any subject in the Bible. Here's why. Maybe because we're hard of hearing. But here's why. And I want you to get this this morning. This is, I'm going to press. Here's why. He talked about it five times more than any other subject in the Bible because there is a fundamental connection between your spiritual life and how you think about and handle your money and possessions. They are not separated. You see, God sees your finances and faith as inseparable, not divorced. Your discipleship, you, you following Jesus, you becoming more and more and more like Jesus, your, your discipleship and your discipline of how you handle and deal with money are inseparable. They're connected. And we as Christians, we, as followers of Jesus, we can no longer think that our money and our finances are over here and our following Jesus is over here. Let me see, let me, let me show you why I say that. Let's read Matthew 6, 19 through 24 together. Familiar passage. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let me give you the end of the sermon. Some of you just got excited. <laughs> Let me give you the end of the sermon. Here's the point. If you walk out this morning, when you walk out of this place this morning, here's what I want you to understand. And all of, all of us, as we go through Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24, here's what I want you to get. Money and possessions is about perspective. And here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. The issue is not how much you possess, but how tightly you hold on to what you have. That's the point of today's sermon. The issue is not how much you possess, but how tightly you hold on to what you have. Jesus breaks this passage down, or this passage breaks down in four specific points. And he presents his disciples with a perspective on investment. And he says, it's time to make a decision. So let's unpack the passage together. Here's the first thing that I want you to see. There's the call of the command. The call of the command. When you look at this passage, you can, you're familiar with the language that Jesus uses here. Rust, moth, thieves, we're familiar with treasure. Some of us might even be familiar with that terribly strong sin of mothballs. Corruption, theft, loss. It's easily understood because we live in a frail world. Just turn on the news. Look at the stock market. Look at the value of your money. We understand this language that Jesus uses. But Jesus begins by issuing two commands. And they have a call to it. The first, the first part of the command is actually negative. Look at verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now I want you to notice here that Jesus does not, He doesn't denounce owning things. He's not saying don't have possessions. He's not saying don't have riches. What he's actually talking about here is having for having's sake. Jesus has in view this sort of unnecessary extravagance and excessive prosperity which reveals a greedy spirit and this callous disregard for those that are in need. To just storing up for yourselves treasures on this earth. And it builds this callous heart toward the things of God and the, the, those that have need. If you, if you mark your Bible, I want you to notice his language here. Look at your text. I want you to underline two things. The first thing that I want you to underline in this call of the command is he says, do not store up 
what? Treasure for what? For yourselves. Underline for yourselves or circle that. Do not store up treasure for yourselves. So again, he's not condemning money. He's not forbidding us to have a savings account or to clothe yourself or to have food on the table. The issue is not wealth, but how you obtain it and how you use it. Again, the bottom line, the issue is not how much you possess, but how tightly you hold on to what you have. So it's right to seek needed things. It's right to provide for your family. It's right to plan for the future. It's right to help the poor. But it is wrong, sinful, to be greedy. It is wrong and sinful to be covetous. If you're gaining treasure, possessions, wealth, money, to only stockpile it, hoard it, and keep it to indulge yourself in it, then that is sin. He tells us to not lay up for ourselves. But here's the second thing I want you to underline. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. On earth. Underline that. Circle that. On earth. So the treasure that Jesus condemns is that which is built up for exclusively earthly ends. There's a good reason for that. Think about it. There's a good reason for that. Jesus, He goes on to tell you why you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that because it won't last. It won't last. I love what Proverbs 23, 4-5 says. Great passage. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist when your eyes light on it. Think about this. The one billion lottery, right? Come on. Y'all talked about it in your house. Right? We did. Man, what would you do if you had that much money? When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. I love this picture. Wealth sprouts wings and it flies off. Sooner or later, it disappears. So when Jesus warns us not to store up treasures on earth, it's not just because wealth might be lost. It is because it will be lost. It will be. Either it leaves us while we live or we leave it when we die. Earth's currency will become worthless when Christ returns or when you die, whichever comes first. And so Jesus tells us to once and for all switch investment vehicles. How many of you, and I'm not going to raise my hand because this is not me, how many of you are into investment? You, you pay attention to that kind of stuff. You like, oh, come on, you can raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, one. Okay. <laughs> You're like me. Here, here's what I understand about investment. Anyone I've ever known who deals with money, which obviously I don't know many. When, when you say, what's the best investment right now? Most people that invest or understand investment, they're going to ask this question. Well, what do you mean? 
What do you mean? Because there's a complicated answer. Do you want your money in six weeks or do you want your money in 60 years? What's your goal? What's your goal? Because how you invest your money is going to depend entirely on where you're going. If you want it in six months, here's how we need to invest it. If you want it for 60 years, here's the investment, right? So what, where are you going? What's your objective? And this is what Jesus is doing. Listen to me. He's saying, invest in this earthly kingdom and it will yield. And it is a six-month investment. It'll yield. But it's a six-month investment. Because it will take off like wings and it'll be gone. But not in my coming kingdom. That's a long-term investment. So the issue is not what you possess, but how tightly you hold on to it. So there's another command. That's the negative one. Now if you look at verse 20. So the negative side of the command is do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where where moth and rust and, and thieves come and steal. And here's the positive of the command. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He tells you exactly where to invest. Here's where to invest. Here's where you put your money, your possessions, your time. Here's where you put it. Notice here that he commands you to store up. He wants you to store up, to stockpile treasure, but not here on earth, but toward godly causes, toward eternity. Jesus does not eliminate desire. He redirects it. He does not condemn ambition. He elevates it. So we as Christians, we should be ambitious, passionate, enterprising, zealous for treasure. Not here on earth, but for eternal purposes. So let me ask the question, which you may be asking, what is treasure in heaven? What is that? Well, we're going to see throughout the passage, but I want to show you 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18. There's a lot of ways we could talk about what is treasure in heaven. But I want you to see what familiar, familiar wording here. Look at, what it, look at what it says. Charge them that are rich in this age. And by the way, that's you and me. That's you and me. We have excess. We have enough. Charge them who are rich in this age that they be not haughty. In other words, don't, don't let your riches make you proud. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Don't trust in riches. Same language here. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on this earth. But in the living God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Notice who gives. So we have wealth. We're not to be proud about it. We're not to put our trust in it. We're to trust God with it. Now what are we to do with it? 
Look at verse 18. Verse 18. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future perspective so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I'm not going to go into this passage, but let me say this. Some of you are seeking life in your money and possessions and wealth. And it's not where life is found. This is the same language here. So this is where we really have to ask ourselves and examine how tightly we're holding on to our money and possessions. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because it's right? Yes. But it's also smart. It's smart. Because these treasures will last. And so Jesus here in our text in Matthew chapter 6, He makes this appeal. Invest in what has lasting value and better return. So here's the bottom line of the call of the command. Your money and possessions are going to terminate in one kingdom or another. They will. And what Jesus is saying here is people in my kingdom don't amass fortune for themselves. They stockpile treasure for eternal purposes. That's where their focus is. Those are my kind of people. In other words, if you don't see the ongoing desire and compulsion in your life to invest in eternity, in God's causes, to be unselfish about it, if you don't, if you don't see that, if you don't see yourself giving more and more and more to God's work, freely dispensing your money and your possessions with joy in your heart, then you should ask the question, is my following Jesus legitimate? Am I, am I really saved? And you might say, man, Matt, that's harsh. No, it's not. It's not. In, in, in Luke 18, you know the story. The rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus. He says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Great question. Some of you might need to wrestle with that this morning. What do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, follow these commands. Don't murder, blah, 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 blah. You can read it. And he says, well, I've done all these. And I want you to see here in Luke 18, he says, I've done all this. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, listen to it. One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. Look, listen, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come follow me. You will have treasures in heaven. Come follow me. And then this is a very, very daunting verse in verse 23 of Luke 18. 
But when the rich young ruler, when he heard these things, he became very sad. For he was a man of great wealth. Here, here's, here's my point, and then we're going to move on. Your finances and your faith, they're united. You can't separate them. Well, I guess you can. But you, like the rich young ruler, you're going to continue to walk away sad. There's a call. That's the call of the command. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust and thieves come and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where they're eternal. They're secure. Now let me show you the second thing. What's the core of the command? The core of the command, verse 21. This is why he gave it. Why did he say that command in the first place? Here's the core of it. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Those things we ultimately treasure govern our lives. That which is a priority to us dictates how we live and what we pursue. So here, here's what I want you to ask yourself as you think about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As we started this sermon... For you, is it always the Lord's cow that dies? It's something to really think about. When it comes to your money and possessions, is it always the Lord's cow that dies? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. It will be. Where's your heart? It's where your treasure is. Wherever you put your investment, it's where you're going to put your heart. If all that you possess is locked up in commodities and accounts and notes and savings and whatever else, that, that's where your heart's going to be. But if, you're, but if your heart is focused on eternal purposes and the things of God and being invested in God's causes, that's where your heart's going to be. So here's what Jesus is speaking of. He's speaking of a single-minded devotion to God and His causes that is undistracted from the world. Here's the core of it. Where your, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus, here's my life, here's my possessions, here's my money, here's my home, here's my time, here's everything. It's all yours. Wherever you want me to invest it, I'm not going to hold tightly onto it any longer. I want, to, I want to store up treasure in heaven. Tell me where to put it. Tell me where to put it. And it's yours. Is it always the cow's Lord that dies? Is it always the Lord's cow that dies? I got that backwards. Some of y'all are like, what? Right? God, you've given it all to me anyway. I just want to give it right back. I want to store up treasure in heaven because wherever my treasure is, that's where my heart's going to be also. What is your treasure? Where are your priorities in life? On what do you place supreme value? Brothers and sisters, the grip on your possessions and money reveal 
your heart. It reveals your heart. That's the core of the command. Now look at the next thing. So we have the call of the command, the core of the command, the clarity of the command. Jesus goes into this word picture about the eye in verses 22 through 23. The language and the imagery here can be a bit difficult. But here's what Jesus is saying. Connect it with everything before. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that your priorities and commitments will determine and shape your behavior and the sort of person you will ultimately turn out to be. He takes this physical illustration and he says the eye is like a window. The eye is like a window and and if that window is clean and clear, light can come in and you see clearly. But if that window is dirty, smudged, blacked out, light can't enter in. So this is a spiritual metaphor. He's clarifying the command that He gave. The emphasis is on the focus and devotion of your heart. Jesus here is highlighting the need for total commitment to God and the cause of His kingdom with your money and your possessions. Wealth and possessions is simply one example of things that can rival our devotion of our heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If the window is clean, light enters in. If it's, if it's dirty, light can't. So here's what I want you to see. How you handle your money, wealth, and possessions is a spiritual matter. I keep saying that. It's a spiritual matter. Every bit of it. It's a spiritual matter. You see, friends, there seems to be a gap between our theology and our possessions. Churches do not have a giving problem. We have a seeing problem. We have a treasure problem. We honestly treasure other things more than we do the things of God. The treasures of your heart will always shape the way you see. That's what Jesus is saying there. The the treasures of your heart will always shape the way you see. So the call of the command, the core of it, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. The clarity of it. Now the last thing. Here's the last one. The cost of the command. The cost. Verse 24. Verse 24, you can only serve one master. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and be devoted and love the other. Your treasure, your vision, your heart is being invested right at this moment in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of this earth. You will set yourself in subservience not to both, but to one or the other. Jesus wants His followers 
to wrestle with this question. And it's a hard one. I wrestled with it this week. And here's the question. Do you truly believe, do you truly believe that you can pursue prosperity in this earthly kingdom and also at the same time pursue a rich inheritance in the next? You really think you can do that? You cannot claim to both serve God and mammon. It's impossible to do so. The conclusion that, that Jesus draws from is a simple statement of undeniable and unalterable fact. You cannot serve two masters. Notice what he says. He does not say you should not serve God and money. He doesn't, he doesn't say that. He says you cannot. You can't do it. Our Lord, He wants people, you and me, so filled with a vision for eternity, for His causes, that, that you and I, we wouldn't dream of not investing our all, including our money and possessions. And we wouldn't dream of not investing our all for where it will matter most. Those are the kind of people Jesus desires. Do not store up for yourselves, brothers and sisters, treasures on this earth. Store them up in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve both God and money. It's not what you possess, but it's how tightly you hold on to what you have. So here's my challenge for you. Logan has given a few challenges. Ten minutes a day in prayer. How are we doing? Okay. Last week, he, he gave us the challenge on Wednesday to fast. We're going to continue that. Every Wednesday, we want you to fast. Seek the Lord. Here's your challenge for this. Everybody, everybody's turning off their ears and everything here. Here it is. Here's the, here's the challenge. Here's what I want you to do. I want you this week, maybe today, don't wait till Friday, okay, or Saturday. Here's what I want you to do. I want you sometime today or tomorrow to sit down. I want you to open up your banking account. Uh-oh. I want you to open it up. Where is it that you normally in a week spend excess? I'm not talking about your house payment, Okay. Not talking about your electricity. Please don't turn off your air conditioner. Okay? But where is it you spend excess? We all do it. Come on. We do it. The Hollingsworths do. Where is it you spend excess? Okay? And I want you to find that and whatever that amount is. And this week alone, I want you, instead of spending that excess, I want you to take it and I want you to find a way to invest it in eternal causes. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. So if, you're, if, if that's you and it's $10, every bit of it. Okay? Invest it in eternal causes. I'm not saying that you don't normally do that. This is above and beyond what you normally give. 
That may be here at the church. That may be someone in need. I want you to invest it. Okay? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray together. As we enter into a time of response, we're going to do that in prayer. Right now, we're going to do that in song. But as we enter into a time of prayer, I want to, I want to ask you to just spend some time with the Lord. Here's what I want you to pray about. First thing is just, Lord, thank you for giving me what I have. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my family. Thank you for cars, my food, the necessities of life. God, thank you. Just thank you. And then I want you to ask God to reveal where your treasure truly is. God, where is my, where's my treasure? Be honest before Him. Ask yourself, is, is it the Lord's cow that dies most often when it comes to your money and possessions? And then just ask God to loosen your grip on the material things of this world. It's not bad to have them. God's blessed you with them. But God, would you loosen my grip on those things so that I can invest and put, it, put them into the right things, the things that matter most, the things that are eternal? Ask Him to help you trust Him with your money and possessions. To give you a spirit of surrender rather than a spirit of ownership. And then lastly, as you respond to the Scripture this morning, ask God for a single-minded devotion to His kingdom and to His cause. God, give me a single-minded devotion to you and your cause. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your patience and your kindness. Lord, as we sang earlier this morning, riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. You're our inheritance. You're what we want. Your causes are what we desire. And Jesus, through this series, you've called us to reflect on our hearts. And that's where you've taken us again this morning. So Jesus, I pray that you would replace the affections that we're placing in this world with a single-minded vision for your coming kingdom for eternity. That you would loosen our grip on our money and our possessions so that people can come to know Jesus. 
So that those that have never heard the gospel can hear it. So that children in this church and community and youth and college students and and adults can hear the gospel of Jesus. So that ministries can continue to flourish and teach the Word of God. So that the brokenhearted, the poor, the hurting can hear about Jesus and be ministered to. God, loosen our grip on those things. And Lord, do it by Your might and Your Spirit in our hearts. For where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. It's in Your wonderful name we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.